The winds of change are blowing, and it's easy to get lost and off track. Hi, I'm Renee Barabow, the practical shaman, Hay House author of Winds of Spirit, a wind whistler, and soul coat. This is a show for pioneers who want to learn to navigate the world with a chaotic spin awake. Welcome to the Practical Shaman podcast, where we talk about all things shamanic, which is everything to do about community, living well, sustainability, and today's guest is Pam Hale, who has her master's. She's a spiritual mentor, author, shamanic practitioner, and artist devoted to promoting spiritual wellness. A two-time breast cancer thriver whose life has been changed by physical challenges, Pam partly credits her healing to her shamanic path. She has 17 years experience working with clients on a physical, emotional, and spiritual challenges in private practice and at the Miraval Resort and Spa in Canyon Ranch. She is passionate about sharing feminine creative spirit, which she calls her saving grace. Welcome. And Pam also is the creator of Sand Spirit Insight Cards and the author of the award-winning book, Flying Lessons, How to Be the Pilot of Your Own Life. Pam comes to us today from Tucson. How are you, Pam? It's been a while. I know. I'm doing well. It's nice to be with you. It's great to be with you. So I always loved the title of your book. Tell us where that came about. Are you a pilot or how did you get to be flying through your own life? Oh, well, um, I happened to fall in love with and marry my second husband, 29 years ago, and he happened to be a pilot. And I happened to have been somebody for whom flying had always been a love and kind of a dream to fly a plane. And maybe that was part of the attraction. But <laughs> at any rate, um, I flew with him. He already had an airplane that he shared with his dad. And I flew with him for eight years saying all the time that I was going to get my license. And then his father passed away and he was motivated to issue a challenge to me, which is, well, is all the talk about getting your license just talk or were you going to actually do something about it? So talk about practical. He's practical. <laughs> so did you get your license? So I got my license at age 57. And the book is partly about how terrifying that was for me and how it had the unexpected effect of raising every fear that I thought I'd already solved in therapy and personal work and all that years before. But up they came and um, I had a new layer of healing to do and new lessons to learn about life. And so I chose seven flying stories and seven lessons about flying that apply to life, that are seven lessons for life. This kind of reminds me, not, not the same book, but uh, Pat Heverin's book on Magic and Plain Sight, where she's actually taken stories. And I love stories. And you're a creative spirit and actually a feminine creative spirit. And you really qualify that as something that's really helped you um, as you're saving grace through probably this fear and all other fears, including health crises that you've walked through. And you, you reflect those out in a lot of ways with your sand spirit cards and things like that. So talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the creative spirit. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, a long time ago, um, a shaman with whom you and I actually both trained, um, Dr. Alberto Riodo, um, did some healing with me when I was in my cancer journey. And he predicted, he said, so you, uh, I had finished my shamanic training, and he said, you'll, you'll help a lot of people heal, and all of that is great, but your greatest gift and your greatest life work will be creative work. And that has turned out to be true. Even right. though I've had a lot of trouble in my life thinking of myself as a real artist, it's kind of like the Velveteen Rabbit, you know, you have to be worn, I guess, before you're real. Hmm. Uh, but, um, but creativity has continued to appear in my life in ways that I name grace, thinking of grace as meaning an undeserved gift from God or from the universe, something that we didn't make happen, something we didn't deserve or earn, but something that was just freely given. So I think we deserve all great things. So on that, I know that you, you know, mean that it's just like out of nowhere type of specialty thing. One of the things I work with my clients on is recognizing those and paying attention to those. And for me in my life, cooking has been my creative source. And, you know, being in that groove with the cooking, I say saved my life. And it sounds like that you've had a really similar experience. In fact, this wind work, uh, I don't know, I haven't really shared too much of the next couple of books that are, are wind related, but there's the, the, I believe it will be the third book called The Dynamic Winds of Creativity. Be, being a creative spirit, that all of the winds go back to creator gods and creativity and, and they really define how it is we bring our energy into the world. And it's, it's really exciting. So as a creative, I'm sure you could relate to that, especially learning to fly and, and, and work with the wind. And so I, I think that that's kind of cool. So, so how do you work with shamanically with clients now? Are you still doing your shamanic work? A little bit. I haven't been seeing individual clients as much because my work has really changed toward more of the creative. Um, I'm wearing one of my earth skin design creations. It's a scarf that is made from a fabric that I designed using one of my aerial photographs. And the aerial photographs, of course, came from my experience of flying. Because um, after getting my license and um, flying around for a year or so, I was first diagnosed with cancer. And cancer changes your priorities. And I had to look at, uh, by then I'm closing in on 60 or, you know, I'm 50 nine and i had to look at what it would take for me to continue to be a safe pilot and it would take a major commitment of going out and practicing all the time my husband has flown all his life and flew in vietnam and he's he could fly with his hands tied behind his back it's just part of him and that wasn't true for me and so i decided that i would rather be the co-pilot and photograph out the window and <laughs> help him fly and so we have two minds thinking about it, which is great. And I can take over for certain periods, but he's the pilot in command. So, um, so I've gotten to take pictures. So I started taking 
aerial photographs. And after years of doing that, it's not that I don't still love what I see out the window and love taking pictures, but as an artist, I decided, well, I already know how to do that. That's boring me. So what else, what else can I do with this? And I realized that I was looking out the window at the skin of the earth, as it were, and seeing her surface, the surface of Mother Earth, as a garment she's wearing on the surface. And of course, there's a lot more beneath to or beneath that garment, but we get to see the beauty of her adornment and mm. her changing skin. And so I started looking out the window and seeing this as fabric and thinking these patterns would make such wonderful fabrics. Well, all my life I've loved fashion. As a little girl, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And every time I was sick, I would stay home from school and draw pictures of clothes. And so now I get that little girl gets to play because I'm making all these creations out of fabrics that I've done using my aerial photos. How cool is that? And that brings up a point for those of you who, you know, have been following a shamanic path or any kind of healing path, because I think Carolyn May said it years and years ago that we all bring our light to wherever we are. So you know, when you're of the light, and let's clarify that, so that even if you think you're stuck in some podunk uh, post office out nowhereville, you can still bring light to where you, where you are planted. And so it sounds to me like you've reinvented yourself a number of times and, and that you truly use your shamanic work. I know another uh, friend from who weaves and, and so she's making these wonderful, wonderful weavings with her shamanic, you know, tapestries and things like that. So it's kind of a, a good reminder that not all, all people who follow shamanic path are healers. Right, right. Even though I do feel like um, in a different way, this particular creative venture has healing effects just as my book had healing effects for certain people who read it and found it really helpful to them. Um, this venture also does because along with hoping that people want to buy these creations, um, that's not my primary agenda. My primary agenda is to motivate people to take actions in behalf of mother earth through their love for her, through their devotion, to her beauty, which is really uh, a practice. The beauty path is really something that was brought to me through my shamanic work. How wonderful. So are you teaching others how to make these fabrics or are you making them and selling them or how, how are you bringing those out to the world? Well, it's a fairly new venture. So mm -hmm. I'm starting to sell them. I have a brand new website called PamelaHale.net and the, uh, and I have six scarves up there for sale. That's all I've done so far because I don't want to get overwhelmed. <laughs> but I've started, I had a trunk show here in Tucson. They have many other things that I had for sale there and it was a great success. So I, I'm selling these things, but along with it, I'm asking people to make a commitment to some new action, small or large, in behalf of the earth based on their love and appreciation for her. And 
and what I'm what I what I hear from you is that there's this love and it's that it's coming from a love and appreciation as opposed to um, a protest against something and so let's talk about the difference between love and appreciation and fighting up against something I think that's probably a good topic for someone like you yeah and it's really important for somebody like me because like a lot of people probably listening um, I've really been suffering you know over the last couple of years with the state of the world and without getting into the politics of that and we can just say that there's so much suffering on so many levels and such division and so there's plenty of opportunity to protest against and to fight against and um, yet uh, as a woman and a mother and a grandmother of five I'm plugged into the grandmother spirit let me back up a little bit uh, grandmother power has come to me in a number of ways um, one was a couple of years ago my husband and I traveled to Nepal and Tibet and Bhutan and I was fortunate enough there to have a meeting with Ama one of the 13 indigenous grandmothers who lives in Nepal and Ama has a mixture as do some of the other ones Flora de Mayo I think has this too where there's a mixture of great tenderness and compassion and also feminine fierceness. And Amma bopped me on the forehead and <laughs> looked in my eyes with this fierce gaze and said, nothing can stop you. And I thought, it, it just took me aback. And I thought, wow, nothing can stop me from doing what? And so I've thought about that for a long time. And then a more recent example of grandmother power is when I was at a retreat center in New Mexico and there on the land there, the sacred land there is a grandmother tree that's very ancient. And one of the um, retreat leaders sent us out on a kind of medicine walk in nature and I ended up lying down at the feet of the grandmother tree and asking for wisdom. And what came to me was another kind of ama-like command, which is you are to embody the new grandmother. So I've been thinking about what the new grandmother means. And I don't know all the answers yet, but for me, one of the answers is to use what I have learned giving birth and watching my two daughters give birth and part of what I've learned from that is that when there's something new that's being born there's nothing that can stop that birth energy it comes up through the body it is a force an energy that is unstoppable and that is different from protesting against that is the energy of something literally emerging from the formless into form or from the womb into the next layer of experience, which is the outer world. And so in the body politic, I believe, the same thing might be true. That when this rebirth that we've all been talking about for so long, this big shift that we're evidently going through, 
when things deconstruct enough for us to be ready to give birth to the new, there's nothing that can stop that. And so I want to plug into that as a grandmother and be part of the preparation or the being a doula <laughs> for that rebirth and to make that sacred and um, holy in the same ways that we have learned through being shamanic practitioners. And, and that is really so true. And I understand that experience. I've never given birth to a child, so I could not probably be part of the grandmother movement, but I'm certainly part of a force of this wind movement because what I've learned from the wind is that all of the information was on the wind long before any particular tribe or any particular one heard it, but the information's been there and it's been there, are, are able to access it. And these winds will actually wake me up at night. Last week I was gonna give like a TED type, type talk and at 2 a.m. in the morning I was commanded by the winds to get out of bed write down pretty much word for word what I was going to be saying the next day. And then it was like, and by the way, create a PowerPoint to go with it because I don't, we don't want you to get off track. <laughs> I mean, and so then it was like, okay, all right. And so then I followed that one. And then the next week it was, I was given a, I think it's a decree of where we're going and, and it, I'm still holding it sacred. I haven't shared it with, you know, but one person, because I don't really know what to make of it because it was really big. So I understand when you go to the grandmother tree or, you know, you put on grandma Florida miles, grandmother oil, or these things that, that these are live consciousnesses that are, are coming about now in the, the world. And so what do you, what, you don't know what you're going to do with this grandmother movement yet, or, or are you starting? Well, part, partly I'm writing about it. So I've, I, I'm, I'm putting up a blog probably later today about it. And um, so some of it is plugging into what grandmother, the grandmother power that already exists on the planet, just plugging into that and helping people become more aware of that. But I think there's also more that is related to creativity and related to what you just said about the winds because I think what you just said about the winds is about an energy that is a force of nature mm -hmm. and and that's what birth is so it it almost doesn't matter which energy we're plugged into they're all energies that are forces part of the force of nature and that's what shamanism is helping people plug into and and i'll tell you because you'll appreciate this right before the wind book went to back to hay house for the final you know for the you know submitted the manuscript mother grandmother grandmother wins and mother wins like there was a latvian wind mother that i said to uh, one of my spiritual advisors i, I think i'm going to have to change this wind i i can't find any information on this wind and truthfully the next day out of nowhere comes is that mine oh, sorry <laughs> out of nowhere uh comes this this whole 50 page document in oops 
don't know where it is, a 50-page document in English about Latvian mythology. And that's, that's just how, kind of how it happened, or that the Basque wind mother, Mari, might be the precursor to the divine mother. You know, all of these wind energies are these, I, I think that this, this tension we're feeling is forcing us to go back to our primary uh, elementals of nature in order to, in order to sustain ourselves on this planet. And so we are a divisive, we are in a divisive time. And the day after the election, which, you know, was kind of a disappointment to many, a lot of women, especially, I got that, I pulled a wind card that said divine right timing and the gifts. And I mean, it was like, what's, you know, what's the gift in somebody who wants to, to, you know, take apart our, you know, our parks or, or things. And, and I think that as grandmothers, there's nothing more powerful than if we get, and, and I'm seeing this army of grandmothers and I don't necessarily like the word army, but I see you all like, like coming together and making a difference. So I don't know if you're going to be leading the battalion or what, but as you're talking about this, I, I, I see it. I see it too. And, um, and I don't see grandmothers anymore. The new grandmother, I think, does not retire and play golf. I'm not, you know, anti-golf. I don't happen to play it. I'm just using it as a metaphor for just not doing anything. That's not the model of the new grandmother. I think it's more has to do with what Michael Mead talks about um, in some of his podcasts when he talks about how all the myths about the young going out and doing heroic missions involve the elder holding space for them, the mm. elder encouraging them, the elder protecting them. And that's what's come up for me, for instance, uh, uh, lately with just a very passionate response to an issue that I think is really a nonpartisan issue, and that is the children who have been separated from their parents. No matter what political party you belong to, that's just an unconscionable kind of idea to hold in your mind, some of these images of these poor children being traumatized. And so all of a sudden, the idea of me being a grandmother and not standing up for these children became just untenable because it, 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 what I saw was what you're seeing. I saw grandmothers on the street and grandmothers pointing out that these are all our children mm -hmm. and that we have to go beyond the partisan divide and hold some values about the innocent and protecting the innocent who are humans, who are precious life. And it's so true because, you know, there's a couple of generations ago, so many women and so many children and so many men were damaged by our darkness or our not, not seeing that people were being abused and sexually abused and all of these things. I mean, I think there's a lot of people in, in my generation, I'm probably just a little bit younger than you, who um, there wasn't the information. I mean, now parents drive their kids to school and, and do you, I don't believe, it might be worse or we might know about more, but I think that 
it's been brought to the light and now people are like really protective of their young and so that we've got this protection going on here and then we have like well it's okay to to pull you apart over here and it's not right well i think part of our uh, shamanic tradition taught us from day one that everything is connected we're part of the web of life mm -hmm. web of life so there, it, the idea that our own children that we're protecting on their way to school is different and separate from children who came from Central America, it, that's an illusion. Mm -hmm. Especially if we want the next generation to grow up with that same respect and that same, you know, that healed self, because we've already learned how much damage can be done from not doing that. And, right. And, and so this, it's just a big mission you have. So it sounds like you're going to be co-piloting some other things as you go forward. Yeah, I'm not sure what's ahead, but all I know is that, um, you know, I had one of those NPR moments in the garage where you can't turn off the engine because you're listening to a feature that you can't stop listening to. And um, <laughs> I just got so passionate. I was weeping in the car and what came up really from my belly was the phrase, not on my watch. So that's the hashtag I've been using to talk about all of this. And what comes out of it, I don't really know, but I hope it will be something creative. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. So what would, you, what would you suggest to the grandmothers and the women out there listening? Like what can they do in their own communities right now that could um, empower them to feel like they're making a difference? That's a really good question because so many people I know, clients and people who have been my students and just people who are my friends are all struggling with that question. So we can keep complaining, but what do we do? There's there's stuff that we want to do. So I think for me, the, the first action is to speak out and to look for how we connect with the, with the web of other concerned people in the community. What are the connections? Are there organizations that are related? Are there friends who can go visit a politician? Are there... Uh, articles you can write for the paper or you know it I think it, it differs depending on what community you live in or you I noticed that you you go back to the creative arts you know it reminds me of a time back when when I was with um, uh, in Chile with the Mapuche shamans and the the grandmother then it was we're talking 20 years ago we, we made our drumsticks and we spent the day knitting our drumsticks. And back then she said, you know, women aren't crafting anymore together. And women, as we, it, when we used to craft together, women would talk about women's things. And, and we don't mean our pantyhose, we mean women's things like our children and their children. And maybe maybe this could look like Time to get your creative circles back together, ladies, grandmothers, mothers, and come together around crafting. You know, the vision board I always do yearly because that's one way to craft, but there's cooking and 
pie making and and making scarves. Maybe yeah. that's what it, like they remember when they did that with the Vietnam Memorial and those the the big flag that they made. Yeah, maybe you've got to get everyone scarfing. Is that yeah. a word? Scarfing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I think there's ceremony. I think people are so hungry and thirsty for ceremony, and ceremony can be simple. It doesn't have to be esoteric. It doesn't have to be quote weird. It can be very natural to gather together and be in a circle that becomes a sacred circle where you say a blessing or prayer and you each tell a story related to children or mm -hmm. your love for children or your love for the earth or whatever the topic is. Maybe it's a storytelling circle. Um, but I think ceremony and maybe you make an offering there and leave an offering in front of a, in, in my case, I live outside Tucson. So I'm picturing this ceremony outside one of the deportation centers. I was thinking that when I knew how close you were to what's really going on there and, you know, gathering up some other people and, you know, get our, our, our pink hats back on and, and take <laughs> everyone get in the buses and, and go right on down there and offer some hugs or, or what yes. we need to do. Yeah, I think it's the hugs. Um, it's not, I, I wore my pink hat, so I, I'm not speaking against that. <laughs> and, but I think this is a different energy we're talking about. Absolutely. It, I didn't have a pink hat, sorry. Yeah, I had a sign. I was, I was at my sign in LA. It, this has its own fierceness, but I think the pink hat um, carries the energy of protesting against. Okay. Oh, good point. I like that. And I, I don't want this to be that. Okay. I want this to be this the, out of the creative spirit, the creative feminine spirit. You know, we've done a lot of talking of, as teachers about how the divine feminine is needed right now and how we need to, to balance the masculine with the feminine. Well, I have been so guilty myself of getting so upset over world events that what do I do? I say, they're getting so hard hearted and I'm being, <laughs> they're being so judgmental and I'm being totally judgmental. And so I'm doing all, I have the same energy I'm summoning in myself that they're using. And so I'm adding to it. This is a different energy out of my energy as a woman, as a grandmother, as a mother, my creative feminine spirit wants beauty, a beautiful life of peace for these children. That's the energy. And I will go face being arrested if necessary to be able to say that and offer that. It's very interesting. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot of people on board with, with that kind of idea. And I, I, I am encouraging you to to keep birthing and, and finding where this exploration goes. And anyone who's listening who's done a creative project knows that it's in the birthing that it begins, like in the book writing process, there's a point when you're writing the book and you're thinking about who's reading it. And then all of a sudden there comes a moment in the book where you don't even care who reads your book because you're so engaged with the process of creativity that's emerging, which 
create something entirely different from where you started. So my guess is you don't even really see from here what it is that you're dreaming. I know I don't. Because you're right, it has its own energy, just as your book had its own energy, mine had its own energy. Right. And the sooner we surrender to that, the, the more it can happen, just as you have to surrender to the birth process. And I wanted to just add that when you were talking about wind, um, my granddaughter, Mariah, who's now 21, um, she was so late being born, and we were all getting so impatient and when is this going to happen? And is Laura going to have to be induced and all this? And we're back in Pennsylvania. And one night, this tremendous wind starts. And the wind is just howling around the house. And that's when she was born that night. And of course, her name is Mariah. Way out west. <laughs> that's great. Well, how can people reach you who want to who wanna join hands and, and be become part of this creative process. You're starting a blog about this. Is that what you said? Yeah. Where, where can we find you? And, and yeah, yeah. Um, Pam at through a different lens.com lens L E N S Pam at through a different lens.com through a different lens is the name of my business. And it's interesting because I'm thinking it's going to be through a different birth canal too. So uh, <laughs> I think this through a different lens probably has um, multiple layers of meaning. Well, everyone, I think this is just the beginning of this conversation. And once uh, Pam gets a little more clear on how she's going to uh, get this grandmother undulating movements, gets its own life force, we'll, we'll have her back here to share some more with you. And in the meantime, you know, check out our book, check out our sand spirit cards. They're very, they're very fun. They're very engaging. They're very different. And they, they're creative. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to thank you for being here with us and, and join us next week for the Practical Shaman podcast, where we'll talk about more practical shamanism. Thank you, Renee. I really enjoyed it. This was great. <laughs>